The sacred writings of the Baha'i faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, and I'm host of Interfaith-ish. On this ongoing series of conversations that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. This week, as we mark the high holiday season in the Jewish calendar, I spoke with singer and anthropologist Galit Dardashti, whose work explores and expands the borders of Jewish musical traditions. Galit is the granddaughter of a star of classical Persian music, Yunus Dardashti, known as the Nightingale of Iran. And on her most recent album, Monajat, she revives recordings her grandfather made of liturgical music and adds her own voice and production to create stunning new arrangements of these prayers and psalms. We're told that the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, should be filled with music to awaken and inspire us. So I hope your spirit will be as stirred as mine was for my conversation with Galit Dardashti. on tour with your family tell me a little bit what that was like were you like the jewish persian osmonds going out on musical tour together <laughs> not quite um you know or or and not nearly the you know the partridge family or the jackson five no <laughs> no um, matching outfits uh no, we actually did. Yes, oh. we did. We did have matching outfits. A hundred percent. We That's did have great. that. But um, but it was really something that we did like on, you know, on vacations and on weekends here and there. It's not like we got into a van and drove the country. It was just very specific it was when we wanted to because it wasn't really we didn't need to do it in order to survive. <laughs> That wasn't your your primary. No, no, work. no. My mom was a teacher, and my father was a professional cantor, and you know, and we all sang. It was something that our family did as a hobby, um, but professionally. So I guess it was more than a hobby. Um, we performed. You know, I've been on stage since I was 
three years old, I think I made my debut singing harmony with my sister on stage at one, of my, at one of my dad's concerts. And it was just something that, you know, it didn't seem, it was so natural because both of my parents are musicians. And, and where were you singing? Where were, where were the venues for these? Yeah. <laughs> well, so synagogues, state fairs. Yeah. I mean, all of the, like, you know, um, uh family camps uh the we the way we got our start is my mom and my sister and i would perform at old age homes and okay. that's a very good place to get your start as a little kid um you know people are very appreciative <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of hecklers in the audience <laughs> um yeah no it was really it was it was like you know it was a a mitzvah it was like a good thing sure. to do and sure. also it was a good training ground as a performer and there were low stakes yeah so I think and if they didn't like you you know there was not a lot of upper body strength to throw tomatoes or something it just <laughs> exactly exactly so um yeah and then once we were good enough we started performing with my father Mm -hmm. um, and my younger sister came into the act and we became the Dardash, the Dardashti family or a dash of Dardashti. That was a thing. Wow, that's a lot. That's wow. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't make that up. So, and we would perform um, at all different places. Yeah, at synagogues, at JCCs, at family camps. Um, and it was a fun thing. I really enjoyed it as a kid. I didn't enjoy the rehearsals. Mm, uh, that sure. that part, you know, we would kind of that that was a little bit more stressful. Um, we're all very kind of loud and uh, opinionated people in my family. Oh, are you Jewish? So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, okay. Know. All right. Well, that there so, you go. That yeah, explains. So it, we though. all yeah. we would you know that was that wasn't the the funnest part, but um, but performing was really fun. Yeah. That was really yeah. how my family you know we connected. We sang together. Yeah. So I have really fond memories. As you were were getting out there and getting acclimated to to doing it, I mean, was it that your father was running the show? Was he was he like the band leader? What was the what was the dynamic with you said both of your parents were musicians? Yeah. So so yeah. how was how was that right. um, you know organized and managed? Yeah, well, you know, my mom, she um she was a guitarist she went to the high school of performing arts which you know more well known as fame you know the fame oh, high school. okay yeah oh, all right. and all right. you know she studied guitar there and she, is she also persian no not at oh, all oh she's not persian okay yeah my Got mom it. is of you know ashkenazi european jewish background uh -huh. and it's an amazing story how my parents met but basically they were performing together before they were even dating and so of course it was natural that once we were born we just kind of came into the act now my father yeah. was singing at a very high level i mean he was singing operas lead tenor roles in operas and he was oh, you know singing okay. so in the early years it was kind of like we were like the fun family part you know we would come in and we would sing harmony and we would sing you know sometimes like funny things and then i would maybe sing like a big piece uh, uh -huh. from les miserables or whatever and my dad would come out and sing these like huge 
vocal pieces. Wow. Um, so it was kind of, you know, and then we would all five sing together and we would sing medleys. Um, <laughs> so in all different languages. Yeah, and, yeah. But we really didn't sing. Um, we really didn't sing Persian music, which well, is... that's that's it's so funny to hear that because this is what my assumption was. I was, you know, imagining the, yeah. you know, the 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 divine Dardashtis here that you were that were you know singing this Persian repertoire, mm -hmm. this liturgical repertoire from from uh, you know a Mizrahi Jewish you know take on things. But Absolutely. that that was it was more like pop and opera was was it was, was more, more of the Jewish. Um, it was more. Um, american and jewish folk songs mm, mm -hmm. and um you know hebrew you know a lot of hebrew songs and then a mix i mean it was really a mixed bag but interestingly long story my father left iran he immigrated when he was 19 not intending to be a musician although he was an amazing musician he was an amazing singer um, and it's a very interesting story of how that happened. But ultimately, he discovers that being a cantor is a profession in the United States, which it is not in mm. Iran, that mm. you can actually get paid and you can, you know, sing in a synagogue. So that's, yeah, that's right. He ultimately made his way to study um, to study the the cantorate to, to, you know, being a cantor at the Jewish Theological Seminary. Okay. which trains people to be a Ashkenazi cantor, right? Uh -huh. So there's no, there was no school for, for teaching one to be a, um, to be a, a Persian or to be a Sephardi Mizrahi cantor. So that was the only option if he wanted to do that professionally. So I grew up. Did that up, feel stifling for him? Was that like to have to not bring in his. According to him, no, he hmm. didn't feel that way, or at least isn't conscious of feeling that way. Hmm. And um, but but it meant basically him studying at the Jewish Theological Seminary that my sisters and I grew up with a very Ashkenazi um, musical upbringing in the synagogue. I see. Hmm. Hmm. And um, and so exploring my um my persian jewish roots really came much later when i was an adult yeah so more like acoustic guitar less suntour that's sort of <laughs> exactly exactly at the, you got at it the, at the cookout <laughs> yes 100%
So when did you strike out on your own then? And how did you want to make your own mark in this um, intersection of, of making music, but also exploring Mizrahi Jewish culture? Yeah, so um, I wasn't exactly sure. You know, I, I always knew that I, I was interested in culture and I was interested in music. And so ultimately I went to graduate school mm. to get a master's PhD in anthropology and studying, first I thought I was gonna be able to go to Iran, but that seemed ultimately, uh, and I got a fellowship to study Persian, but ultimately oh, that okay. seemed too dangerous. And so, mm. um, you know- This was when? This was the end of the 90s. Mm. This was 1998, 1999. And it seemed like Iran was moving in this certain direction that was going to be more open and that I could go there. And then it became very clear within a year that wow. no, it was going in this other direction. Mm. And um, so I, I pivoted to, to studying Middle Eastern um, Jewish culture and music in Israel and sort of what was happening there. Um, in terms of Israelis coming to terms with their their um, Middle Easternness, yeah, and, and a huge uh, Persian Jewish population in Israel, right? Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big, big immigration um, that happened, of course, definitely before the Islamic Revolution, um, and uh, so. I was studying like what was happening with all of these Jews, Middle Eastern Jews who are who mostly call themselves Mizrahim mm. in um, in Israel, and um, so that's how I that's really actually how I made my um, how I became very immersed in these Middle Eastern musical traditions. It was really through my my graduate work and um, eventually you know going to do field work. And during my, my doctoral field work in the, you know, 2003, 2004, where I was able to study Persian classical music in Israel mm, and, well. and, and singing and, you know, just getting deeper and deeper into it. You know, first I started before, you know, in grad school, first I was already you know, getting deep into Middle Eastern music. And I started my group Divan, which is my all female uh, group. Yeah. Which, where, where did that start? Where did, where, was that an, a project in Israel also? No, that was a project in graduate school where I was um, in Austin, Texas. Of oh, course. Yeah, where yeah, else of course. would you that's start? A, that's a, yeah. <laughs> where else would you start a Middle Eastern Jewish band? I mean, Austin um, is weird like that. So I'm sure totally. people walking down the street, you know, were past where you were playing. We're like, yeah, cool. Let's check that out. A hundred percent. And actually, I had no idea how amazing it was until I left Austin because, mm. you know, I live in New York now. And it's like people don't just kind of... Um, you know, you just don't have as much this mixing of of people in music in a okay. certain way. I mean, of course you do. Okay. It's New York. Sure, 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 sure. But it's like, of course, since the Jewish community is so huge, mm. you have like the Jewish community. And then, mm. you know, you have these other communities, you know, and, and so... Everybody's got their scene. 
they've got their scenes. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of amazing that, you know, we would perform at the Cactus Cafe all the time and that, you know, we would just have this amazing amalgamation of people who would come to our shows. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that would just that would just yeah, that would just show up. Let's go back and and talk a little bit about your your grandfather who really looms large in your in your family history and and actually in Iran's musical history as well. Um, he's a renowned singer of Persian classical music. Yunus, uh, right? Is that a, how you yes, pronounce it? Yunus Dardashti. So tell us a little bit of his story. Yeah. So my grandfather, in the 1950s and 60s became one of the most prominent singers of Persian classical music in Iran. Mm. And this was, um, you know, he, he sang, he had a weekly spot on the radio where people would know, you know, he was singing and everyone would kind of tune in mm-hmm. to hear him. And he was singing in the Shah's palace and mm. he was singing in the most prominent concert halls in Iran. Um, but he was also Jewish. Right. And he was the only Jewish singer that we know about ever to reach mm. such prominence mm. um, in Iran. Um, and yeah, but he was also a Jew. And so he would, in addition to singing Persian classical music, where he would interpret poetry, um, you know, vocally, poetry like Rumi and Hafez mm. and more, um, he he would volunteer to lead 
services for his Jewish community in different synagogues. And, yeah, and because mm -hmm. there is no pro profession, so he would just, it would be such an honor for mm. the communities to have him lead them, you know, in Shabbat services or any of the holiday services. And one of the things he was known for um, are these prayers of um, called slichot. And these mm. prayers in Middle Eastern Jewish communities are sung every single night, um, usually around 4 a.m. In, mm. um, in, in Iran for the entire month before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The month of Elul, which is exactly. what we're in right now. We're in it right now, the month of Elul. And um, you are on it. And um, so, yeah, so my, so my grandfather, um, one, of the, one of the amazing things is that these prayers of Slichot would happen oftentimes outside. They would, they, would, um, they would be, people would gather in the courtyards mm. of different people's homes. And so people all throughout could hear the music. You know, mm. just like you hear the muazin all throughout, um, you know, the streets, you could hear <laughs> the Jewish community singing these prayers of slichot in the streets. And people would say, oh, it's Yunus Dardashti. And they would hear him, <laughs> um, you know, they would hear him singing these prayers, which were not always in the synagogue. So everyone, you know, we could hear it from these, um, yeah. these different courtyards. And this is one of the few recordings that my grandfather made of him singing in Hebrew, singing Jewish music. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like, you know, we have these recordings the of... of him from the radio, mm. singing in Iran, singing Persian classical music. Mm. But my grandfather, since he was so, you know, known for the slichot, he recorded it as a fundraiser and um, for some charity. And so we have these, you know, we have these recordings. My grandfather, he, he recorded in the early 1970s in Iran. And it's amazing he's you know he has this just really moving pleading powerful voice singing these prayers and that's really how this project monajat this album came about is that i always you know loved this you know these recordings of him singing these prayers and i wanted to somehow connect hmm. with it and um do something with it musically
Monajat, if I read correctly, it, it's a Farsi term that means a dialogue with the divine. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. In these recordings, it's a blend of your voice and the recordings of your grandfather. So what was it like working in that way to both, you know, listen to, to these recordings, but also then to add your own mark on them with, with modern production? It was so exciting and, and and moving to be able to to musically connect with my grandfather in this mm. way mm. Um, because you know I I did know him he didn't mm. pass away you know until I was you know around twenty but we didn't really have a shared language mm. he didn't speak very much English I didn't speak very much Persian and so um, and my Hebrew wasn't so great at that time and his Hebrew wasn't so great either so I think my approach was really just to listen to his singing and and find a way find a way in mm. um I think that was really my only approach is that I, I listened to him and look part of the reason that these you know that these Jewish prayers in particular allowed me a way in is that I do speak Hebrew and I you know mm. and I you know, I'm very comfortable with chanting Hebrew in my work as a performer, in my work as an anthropologist, in my work um, uh, also doing cantorial work. And so I could relate to it. So I would find the pieces that I felt like, you know, um, that I could sample, really. Mm. And, um, and that I could, that I felt like I could join him on, that I could, that I could trade verses with him on. And there were some moments that were just so amazing that I said, yeah, I think we can just compliment this. I don't necessarily need to sing here. Like yeah. let him, let him do his thing, you know, let the master sing. And so there are some pieces where I thought maybe I would sing more, but ultimately I just said, let you know I, I like melech the first song on the album for instance right. which is actually right. the 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 only song that we kind of hadn't been performing for a long time we've never performed it that kind of happened in the studio um that like weeks a few weeks before we went into the studio i said i think there's one more piece that mm. i haven't you know that i that 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 should be on and i was kind of finding a way in and ultimately, he mostly, as you can hear on the first track, it's mostly him and us just singing uh, backup. So I, I guess my approach was kind of listening to him, seeing the pieces that really moved me, what parts uh, moved me, and where I wanted to um, to sing with him, to uh, trade verses with him, what I thought we could bring to it, and and I and I also want to say what where what my musicians brought to it because I have these this amazing group of musicians who I'm really lucky to be collaborating with and they brought they brought a lot to the music that I you know hadn't necessarily um, expected and you know Shanir Blumenkrantz who is one of the musicians um, in the project he plays oud and bass he um, you know he produced this album with me and uh, you know some sometimes there were there were things that they brought um, and Shanir brought that I, you know, that that were surprising. And so the songs kind of just evolved in this other way. And uh, just it was so exciting to be able to to be able to communicate with him and to sing with him and really an honor because he's just so amazing. I do 
Well, let's talk about some of these songs in a little bit more detail. Um, Adonai Hu Hai Elohim. First of all, that track is a banger. I mean, that ba bass line is totally sick. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Thank you. I, I love that. I love that track. So give us a little bit more more context. What does this song mean liturgically and how, how does it how does it fit into the um, the prayer repertoire? This song, Adonai Huha Elohim, basically I'm translating as God is it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it talks about the angels on high uh, praising God. And, you know, I would say that for this one and for many of them, the way I connect to these prayers is is probably less about, you know, getting deeply into the lyrics mm -hmm. and more about the music. Um, okay. for me, um, but that's what, you know, that's what these are, you know, these are penitential poems and praise, um, prayers basically. And I composed the verses because mostly this is chanting, right? He sings, mm. right. And then continues right with his chanting. Yeah. So I wrote verses that are a little bit different, but musically fit in. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. we all we come back to that yeah. as yeah. the um, as the kind of, you know, the chorus. Love it. Lila is is also part of the Pew team, right? Pew team, the liturgical poems that begin the Nila service of, of Yom Kippur. Yeah, and this one, um, this one I've recorded before. It's on. I, it means so much to me that it's on actually two of my albums. It's both on my most recent Divan album, 
that um, my all-female group Divan, and mm. um, and so and I also included it. We sing it and we perform it in quite a different way here in Monajat. Um, but it, it has a lot of meaning for me because this is one of the few Persian um, prayers that I grew up with. Oh, okay. That my, that my father actually sang in the Ashkenazi synagogues where he led. He would actually sing this El Nora Alila, which is a very dramatic piece. Well, it's at a very dramatic part in the Yom Kippur liturgy. It's in the, you know, the last service, which is called Ni'ila, which literally means locking, like the mm. gates are closing. It's kind of your last chance to make amends with God and everyone else. And and it's yeah, it's 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 dramatic. It's dramatic. It's like the OG our God is an awesome God. It's the, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Anthemic and you know, Yeah, and it's so interesting. Talking about the awe. Yes, but it's mm -hmm. so interesting because I have performed this piece in many contexts over the years. Um, because it's so much a part of me and you know, in 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 um in my in my childhood as well. Mm. And in some Jewish traditions that are not Middle Eastern or, or Persian people, I've, I've had people say like, whoa, you know, in our tradition, we sing it much more somberly and quiet. Wow. wow. And yeah. yeah, different people have very different ways with, you know, yeah. of, um, communicating with God. And they haven't met Persians before. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. So I was excited about, you know, this really um, uh, penitential poem kind of rocking out on it, because in a certain sense, when I lead it, um, when I lead Yom Kippur services, I'm rocking out. I am like singing my heart out. Oh, um, and so it's, um, you know, uh, I, I, it has a lot of meaning for me. I, I sort of imagine myself leading Yom Kippur services. And even more importantly, I, I imagine my father mm. who taught it to me leading Yom Kippur services. So it, it has a you know, special resonance for me. I love that that intergenerational through line and the idea of, you know, calling those voices that it is, you know, that you're like both channeling and witnessing at the same time that's a that's such a beautiful thing 100 percent. wow you said it you said it really perfectly yeah
Let's talk about this this song, uh, Michal, that's uh, off of your 20, uh, 2010 album, The Naming. I saw that uh, Michal is the is the name of Saul's daughter, the first wife of King David. So what is the story um, yeah. behind this song? So I wanted to um, I wanted to mention that because, you know, it also relates to my family's story. And so it has a particular place in my heart. Um, that album, The Naming, that it came off of, is a project I was commissioned to create where I am connecting with women, women and their stories from the Bible. In, and many of them not women that you normally hear about very often from the Bible. Mm. And the idea also being that the music should sound like where these people lived, which was the Middle East. And this song was inspired because when my sisters and I were growing up, our father would tell us stories about growing up in Tehran, where he lived. Mm. And this one story always stuck with me. And that was a story about his aunt. And her name was Tova. And mm. he remembered that when she would stay over at, um, at their house, she and her husband, they didn't have kids that when she would stay over and she would wake up you know in the morning she would put on a talit a jewish prayer shawl and tefillin which are you know um words that you bind to your head leather with leather straps mm -hmm. and that's how mostly men religious men pray right and right. so my father saw her doing this and so he said to her um you know aunt tova why are you um you know why are you praying like a man well, and yeah. she said, oh, well, you know, I wasn't able to have kids. And so I'm not exempt as most women are from, you know, all of the obligations, all of the, you know, mitzvot that that um, uh, the expectations of a religious Jew mm. that, mm. you know, women are exempt from mostly because of child rearing. And that always was so interesting to me that like, you know, here. She was a Persian woman and a very educated Persian woman. Mm. Um, she would teach classes at the synagogue. And, you know, here I was like, you know, it sort of broke some of my own stereotypes about, um, about women in Iran and my family. And then when I was doing research for this project, um, I was, you know, studying these different biblical women. And I came up, up, up across the story of, Michal, who, like you said, was, you know, King Saul's daughter, King David's wife. And it's said in the Talmud that she wore tefillin and that, wow. that, that mm. none of the sages minded. And as mm. it turns out, she didn't have any kids. And so I wondered if I have no idea if my Aunt Tova used her story and connected with her but i connected the two stories yeah yeah and yeah. so really the song is about both of them and i start that piece with the prayer that i you know kind of um interpreted in a persian style mm. of the prayer that you say for putting on talit and tefillin 
And that's um, that was the inspiration for my song, Michal. That's great. I love I love hearing how you're you're you know taking this this really precious thing, which is your family history, and obviously the 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 deep connection to to the rich Jewish culture, and particularly in the, like millennial old <laughs> Persian culture that you know that it's coming from, but. You're you're also not afraid to play with it, you know, that you're not afraid to to mix things up and, you know, create your own connections to it. That's, Thank you know, that's you. such a yeah, that's like it's such a bold thing to do. But it's also like this is this is how new melodies are popularized. This is how music changes and 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 religious community and culture changes, too. Right. That it it, it meets the needs of of the age that we're in. Absolutely. And thank you. And I just want to add to that, that my grandfather gave me some inspiration also mm. and um, for being able to play around. You know, I called the album Monajat, which again, you know, means fervent prayer or, um, in, in Persian. And the reason is that the last piece that my grandfather sang in this kind of in these recordings that we had of him uh, leading the prayers of, of Slichot are this Persian piece that was mm. called Monajat and nobody knew where it came from in my family. And um, but it was really in the same style. The poem was in the same style as like a Rumi poem. And but we couldn't find the Rumi poem. And so finally, after talking to some experts, I realized that probably my grandfather wrote this Persian poem. And Interesting. nobody else sang it. And it yeah. was his own thing. Nobody else sang this piece as part of Slichot services. So my grandfather wrote this poem that's very similar to the style of other poems that he would interpret, which are about, you know, prayer, because, you know, um, these, the, you know, uh, these poets that he was interpreting their um their their poetry they weren't secular per se right yeah, they yeah, were yeah. you know they were writing about um they were writing about prayer and so this prayer that he writes is about you know arising early to worship god and mm. it turns out that my grandfather probably wrote it and this was his own like his own innovation this was yeah. his own yeah. uh you know persian thing and so i when i saw that i i said wow if my grandfather can can innovate uh persian practice in iran like uh, it gave me a little bit more artistic license to to play around with things because i think like you like you said you know people have been doing that forever look one of the things that i'm so excited about sharing with people with this album is oh jewish music can sound like this this is what singers sound like who sing Jewish music and it because you know so much of the Jewish music that here in the United States and you know North North America that we're exposed to it makes people think that Jewish music only sounds like one thing yeah the fact that this is shared culture you know whether it's sung in Hebrew or it's you know sung in Persian you just can't help but notice how you know they're they're singing the same they're singing the same music and it doesn't matter 
what you know to which god they're singing to or what language you know it's all it's all shared culture talk a little bit about the songs that inspire you i'm really happy to be introduced to this band uh yemen blues oh with my the God. song okay. mountains will dance okay so yemen blues i'm just gonna say it's probably my favorite band really and okay. it happens to be that shanir blumenkranz who's one of my band members is also in yemen blues i really could have chosen any song off this album in sunia which is really one of my favorite albums um, but but this one is particularly is is a religious song. Uh, I think it's maybe Psalm one fourteen. It's Beit Set Israel Mimitzraim, and it talks about um, you know the Jews leaving Egypt, and uh, it's a song that you sing as part of of, of um, Hallel, which is this you know you, you you sing it at different different holidays, and you also you know sing it during Passover, and of course describing the the Jews leaving. Egypt and um, the other songs Yemen Blues sings, you know, I don't necessarily know what they're singing. Um, I just like the music, but this one I recognized it as from the psalm, so I so I uh, chose it in that sense. But it's an amazing album and an amazing band. Um, uh, Ravid is their lead singer, and he actually uh, performed with me at my album release. He lives in Israel, but he happened to be in the U.S. Uh, with with Devon some years ago. And I just oh, think terrific! Yeah, I just think he's an amazing singer. Um, and he's from he's from a Yemenite family yeah. in Israel, right? He is. He is. Mm. 
And so really, yeah, check out any check out any song on that album in particular, but you know, all of their all of their music is is amazing. They perform um yeah, they perform kind of Yemenite Arab Moroccan kind of mix uh, uh music, uh not necessarily religious. Most of it is in Arabic. Um and I just um I just think it's just amazing. I just think their um their their sounds, their grooves are are incredible. Do you find shared history between Yemenite Jews and Persian Jews or some of the musical modes that they're working in? Well, the musical modes um absolutely, you know, we're we're um there are a lot of shared musical modes. Um, it's really, even though we're talking about the maqam, which is the, you know, the Arab modal system mm. versus the, you know, uh, daska Persian system. And there are many differences and there are many different ways that one would improvise. Persian music is much more, is more, a bit more rigid in terms of like how you improvise. Of course, uh, um, that's not to say that I... <laughs> abide by those strict rules but um but the modes are yeah there's so many shared modes um and look of course there's a lot more in common there than with western music where you know you don't even have you have so many less choices for notes right in western music you don't have what you can call microtones or quarter tones which are mm. the 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 notes that are in between the the notes that you have on the piano right on the piano you just have whole steps and half steps but in you know in all different eastern traditions you have many more notes to choose from and so i would say those are the kind of major differences and of course you you have many um you have many modes that are shared between arab music musical traditions and and persian musical traditions. And so, yeah, I, I, I perform actually with a lot of musicians that mostly perform, um, like none of the, they mostly perform Arab music, I would say both, um, you know, my bass player and uh, bass player, oud player and, um, and Zafer, who's Palestinian. And so he, you know, he's very uh, deep in the um, Arab music tradition. They are, so, you know, they're, I'd say that the music on this album is really an amalgamation of Persian and Arab and, you know, just again, we're all bringing to this music what we are influenced by. And I think that's kind of we're not, you know, being rigid about, you know, what's Persian and what's um, Arab, although, you know, I'm obviously bringing um, as much Persianness as as I can. I um, I'm not uh, um, I'm not. I'm not afraid of mixing traditions. So you, you're, you'll find some of the grooves and the sounds that you hear in Yemen blues for sure that, you know, Shanir brings from that band to, to my band. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's not, a, not afraid. That's, that's pretty clear. <laughs> I, I want to come to, to the title of the show, which is soul ladder music, the series that we've been doing. And it comes from a writing from the Holy Writings of the Baha'i Faith, which mm. has its origins in Iran. And the line says, God has made music as a ladder for our souls. Mm. And so I, I'd like to ask my guests, what does that image conjure for you? What is, how does that image strike you? And what, what resonates with you about that, that idea of music as a, as a ladder for our souls? Look, music brings you to this, to this high place. I mean, that's the goal, at least, right? Mm. is that 
been coming back to kind of what I just was talking about, that it, it shouldn't really matter once you're, you're listening to music. And this is really how I feel in terms of any of the music that kind of lifts me up spirituality, uh, um, spiritually. Music takes you to this other place where it doesn't matter what religion, what language, um, you know, where you come from, what country, what nationality, what your borders are. When when you're moved by music, we should all be should all be lifted up and we should all be in this shared space where none of that where none of that matters. At least, you know, it might not might not uh, be the case after the song's over. Right. <laughs> it depends be, on how good your session is going with your well, band. Right? Let's be real here. Um, but during that moment, during that moment, when we're listening to the music, it none of it matters. Yeah. All right. right. Who was off tempo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I would say. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Galit, this is so, so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your reflections and for sharing your stories. I, I really enjoyed, like I said, exploring um, this music and, and being, being able to, to learn about this history with you. So thank you for all the gifts that you're putting out into the world. Thank you so much. Have a great, great day in Shana Tova. Shana Tova. Thanks for making the climb with me this week on Soul Ladder Music. You can learn more about Galit's music at galitdardashti.com. That's G-A-L-E-E-T-D-A-R-D-A-S-H-T-I.com. And be sure to check out her new podcast project with her sister called The Nightingale of Iran, which explores more of their family's history. I'll have all of Galit's music from this episode in our show notes. You can also find all the episodes of our Soul Ladder Music series across podcast platforms. And check out the Soul Ladder Music playlist on Spotify for music from all of our shows. Thanks to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music, and keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM, Tacoma Radio, for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org. <laughs>